multi-tenancy in software engineering refers to the idea of placing multiple customers, clients, you know, users or tenants so that they share a single resource. Uh, a resource here could be a storage piece, a networking stack, an application, a database, really anything. And the goal of multi-tenancy is really maximizing profit and reducing cost and increase efficiency effectively. So if you have a piece of equipment or a resource or networking, you want to sell this device, this service as a service to as many customers as you want uh, as possible, such that you're you're effectively your cost doesn't change but you increase your profit but what you need to be careful here is those tenants should be completely isolated of each other they should not see each other data they should not be aware of each other they should not be influenced by each other that means if i suddenly ran an app and uh, my cpu took 100 percent i should not talk i should not take other tenants with me right so this should be completely isolated effectively right so so so, so security is another very critical piece that's why building a multi-tenant application is extremely extremely difficult and hard to nail but if you do you have a cash goddamn cow at your disposal so in this episode of the back engineering show we're going to discuss multi-tenancy in the entire stack of the software we're going to go from ssds up to the database level a little bit up to networking stack we're going to talk about uh, application multi-tenancy all that jazz uh coming up in the back end Jane show let's jump into it Welcome to the Back in Engineering Show with your host Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on back end technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Back in Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser, and uh, I really, really admire uh, engineers who build an effective multi-tenant application. And not only that, build infrastructures with multi-tenancy in place. Right? So I'm going to divide this 
show into multiple portions uh, for those uh, listening and watching on youtube there will be timestamp. i believe i put the timestamp for the show notes in the podcast wherever you're listening on google podcast or spotify or apple you can you, you can see those timestamp where you can jump into the interesting portion of uh, of the podcast of the show but i'll start with uh, really ssds the hard drive the storage if i if i'm a company and I want to build an app and I want to, I want to sell storage. That's my only job. I want to I want to build a cloud service that sells the storage and nothing else. So I have one SSD, two tera, four, five, eight terabytes. And I want to sell that SSD. I want to sell that storage. Well, the easiest way is just, hey, this SSD cost me, I don't know, $4,000. Hey, customer, pay me $6,000 and it's yours. You know, that's one way to do it, right? So you keep some margin to yourself. What we can you do here is, what if that SSD is effectively broken into eight different logical SSDs, right? And then sold as one terabyte cost. You can you can make much much more money by just doing that and there is a feature in the ssds i believe specifically in the nvme spec that is called namespaces i'm pretty sure this exists in prior hard drives but i know that it exists in ssds so you create a namespace right for each of your clients and even the operating system when you actually boot up if you assign this operating system just the namespace it doesn't even know that there is another uh, seven terabyte to this it doesn't it, it doesn't know it's completely isolated it's at the driver level so it's not it's very different from the operating system seeing the eight gig and then deciding to partition at the os level to take one terabyte to create a logical partition no it's completely different so if you spin up a VM in your cloud provider and you point to this SSD, there is no option to change that. You can get from zero up to one terabyte. You don't even see the other seven terabytes. And that is a very powerful feature in the SSD NVMe spec specifically. This is kind of a concept of uh, multi-tenancy, right? This is the concept of multi-tenancy at the lowest level that i can think of right at the storage level and uh there and people now in the nvme spec are, are working even to make this even better where they work or working on making these namespaces uh, called zone namespaces where you can be allocated erase units and you can write as an application in these big large sequential units so uh, effectively um, the performance of your application can be tuned based on your workload right uh, compared to the old model the non-zoned model where you, you you have everything is random effectively right you have no idea of the mapping if you write to a block, this block could could reside on this physical block on the SSD. But if you write it again, it will be completely another block on the back end on, on the same namespace, obviously. It's not going to 
jump into another namespace as the job of the driver and the and the SSD level. But but effectively the mapping becomes much much more efficient with zoned namespaces. But that's outside the scope of this video. Right. So that's one part of the multi-tenancy. Let's jump slightly higher. Let's go to the databases. Uh, I believe I'm not mis uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Oracle started this. I could be wrong, but it, in my personal experience, I've seen this personally with Oracle, maybe 10, nine years ago. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, this is the first instance where I saw a multi-tenant database. Uh, so Oracle, you can purchase a license. Okay, hey, I want my Oracle instance to support multi-tenancy. And when you do that, you get the ability to create something called a container database. And a container database, you can create as many child databases as you want. And here's the beauty of this. These databases are not, you, you might say, Hussein, I can create multiple databases in any of them. No, 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 no. Let's be very careful about this. Yeah, of course, you can create seven databases in Mongo and Postgres, but this is different. These databases in Oracle, this might have changed, obviously, with the, with the new releases with other databases, but with at that particular time, when you create a database, a pluggable child database called a pluggable database, these are completely isolated. You can specify the memory, can specify how much CPU this kind of thing use. You can specify all these parameters, storage, table spaces. It has its own word. Effectively, it's completely isolated. Obviously, this is not a new novel idea. I believe other databases started to do this. It started to give you to this fine level tuning. And the moment you start doing that, you can effectively, as a company or as, a, as an engineer, you can sell your services. So you can spin up a Postgres instance or, or any database. I don't know if Postgres supports this low, to low level tuning. I might be wrong. But you can, hey, hey, you want a database? Pay me uh, $3 a month and I'll give you this database. How much you want? Hey. I'm going to give you one GB RAM or whatever. So, so very easily you can sell. And we see this pattern in, in cloud, right? That's why cloud services makes tons of money with multi-tenancy concept, right? So it's, a, it's just a single instance that costs them literally nothing, right? But then they even break it more down and tune it at the IaaS level, so infrastructure as a service, and then sell you these different services, right? Uh, some people might think this is scummy. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I like the technology behind it. So we engineers talk about the technology, the marketing, the the oversell concepts uh, of things. You can debate, obviously, but but as a, as an idea, I love how this is built. How is it architecture? That's what I'm admiring here. I'm not necessarily admiring people who sell these services that cost them nothing and sell them for thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm not necessarily admiring that, uh, just, just to get my point across. So yeah, that's how uh, we talked about storage, talked about databases, right? How databases can be multi-tenant, right? Support multi-tenancy. Let's talk about networking. Networking is, uh, is, this is a very, very new concept, especially to me, right? When you when you have a network, what, what do you have? You have a bunch of switches, you have 10 gigabit maybe ethernet 
communication between them and you have a badass switches and routers and you can build this infrastructure and everything can connect to everything but then if you can sell this infrastructure to one customer but that would be very expensive right for one customer to pay so what do you do you do something called software defined networking sdns it's a, it's a very flashy new term now being used all the time so sdns is effectively software that runs and manages this network and kind of segregates this uh, 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 management of the network so if a packet goes through a switch it can be controlled by this software so mm, you effectively creating a virtual layer of networking on top of your physical network and you can create as many virtual networks as you as you want and the virtual network will have the idea of of uh, of understanding what network can connect to what and you can create bridges virtual bridges virtual switches uh, because it's easy right it's all software at the end of the day but the cost here is really how do you nail that software defined uh, layer so that it doesn't really take your infrastructure down when it's down because software needs a place to run and what happened if that place that is running on got down right or uh, what happened if there was a bug in that particular software so security here is really critical just like the databases just like the storage ssd security is very 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 critical right you don't want a packet be seen by someone else i believe i never worked in a cloud environment before but i believe for cloud provider like amazon and others they must be doing something like that they cannot afford every new registered customer to create a physical new network for them they have to be to virtualize these networks right and people who work with aws and all that stuff let me know in the comment section i i don't use uh, cloud services as much as i should really i should really understand these how this work but i have kind of an idea so they they must be using this virtual network so this is another concept of multi-tenancy so with the cloud the burst of a cloud you can see this buzzword multi-tenancy comes in in the picture because building a multi-tenant ssd a multi-tenant database a multi-tenant network is extremely difficult right very very difficult just how, how do you get this right how do you know if something went wrong it's just the the most important thing is what if uh, i believe we saw this with slack outage i'm going to reference my video uh, a coverage of the slack outage back in 2021 was it 21 2020 or 21 I, I don't remember but the idea was basically slack i think there was an outage some of their instances went down and then when when it got back up the amount of uh, the network saturation reached the maximum and effectively the allocated storage for the network allocated for slack from amazon was not enough so they reached their maximum so effectively every time you got network saturated 100 percent uh you get drop packets as a result your request to any backend will fail which will lead to two things either the client will decide to 
give up and fail and cash the fact that the instance that I try to connect to is failing unhealthy, which will lead to a cascading downstream event that says, oh, uh, this, this backend instance is just bad. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to connect to it, right? So which will lead effectively to even if that backend becomes available, well, the backend was never down to begin with. The network bandwidth to the backend was unavailable effectively, right? So even if the network become good again, the NS, the client still cache the fact that the 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 backend is unhealthy. And this is happening all the time with load balancers. You know, load balancers always mark stuff unhealthy. Uh, that's why my favorite just this feature for Envoy, and I believe really, I know I'm going all over the place, but it's related. We're going to come back to multi-tenancy. Uh, one of the features that to uh, in load balancers and proxies in general, in Envoy in particular, that I really wish other proxies just start to adopt is, uh, I don't think, I don't remember what is it called, but effectively it's forcing sending requests to unhealthy instances uh, so when you mark something as unhealthy uh, the load balancer respects that and says mm, it's unhealthy i'm not going to send a request to it but envoy can be configured to ignore that it says hey it's unhealthy but let's try again Let, let's get let's give it a, another taste maybe something went wrong and this feature is very powerful and saved envoy from many outages All right so back to our point right so if that Amazon multi-tenancy network worked perfectly in that point because if that network saturation actually reached 100% and leaked all the way to the network, someone else, let's say Netflix, who uses Amazon, who happened to be maybe in the same cable as Slack, uh, uh, Slack's uh, pipes and Slack's network might have been affected. But no, you need to maintain multi-tenancy. This should never affect any other things, right? So I cannot read other content from other tenants and I should not be affected by other tenants, right? So that's the networking stack. We talked about uh, SSD, talked about database, talked about networking. The next thing is really easiest thing. VMs and containers, I'm going to lump them into the same place. Um, effectively, the, most, the best example for this is, is basically EC2 which is the Amazon thingy uh, to spin up VMs, right? Yeah. If I spin a VM and you spin up a VM, we are two different customers spinning two VMs. Our VMs might, might, lay, uh, might end up in the same physical machine. Do you know? You don't know. It's Amazon's job, right, to not allow me to know that your VM is the same physical machine and... I believe there was a bug at one point where actually there was some awareness of VMs. It was a very big deal at, some, at that point, right? And and I don't need I, I shouldn't be aware that your VM is in the same physical machine. And if I increase the resources, if if, my, if I if I had a runaway process that took my down my CPU, you should be completely fine as a VM. Yeah. The same thing exactly applies to containers. We saw this definitely with containers. Con containers to container security is a very, very important concept. People really just educating and, and uh, taking PhDs really in container security. Right? How can my container, first of all, doesn't leak 
stuff because containers is really a lightweight process if you think about it, right? It's, it's a C named, right? Is it C named? I believe it's called control group. C group, sorry. C name is the DNS thing. C group, right? It's a, it's a control group by itself, right? So it doesn't see anything. It's a, again, very concept, very similar, right? So that's another example. Container is really an example of multi-tenancy, but at the operating system level. Hey, there's a free one. So containers. I didn't really think that through, but yeah, containers, VMs, really are both concept of multi-tenancy, right? And then finally, which is basically most of you are aware of, is multi-tenant application. So you're building an application that happens to be multi-tenant. And thousands and thousands of examples are like that, right? So Shopify is a single app, logical app, but many customers, right, use the same app. So we have multiple tenants living. They have their own storage. They have their own network. They have their own uh, data. They have their own memory, CPU. All of this, you can you can argue that if they might be even shared, right? We don't know the backend, right? What what is exactly happening? And that's where the part of the security comes in. A true multi-tenant application should be completely isolated. Some people kind of. When you build a multi-tenant app, they break that rule. They allow two processes or even uh, one process to serve multiple requests from multiple customers. While this is kind of breaks the rule of multi-tenancy, it is kind of dangerous, right? Because that request, let's say you, you serve a request from this machine, right? From, from this client to pull some data and pull it in and it's in memory, right? And another request came to the same instance, to the same web server process and a process that. Technically, it's it's overlap, right? So it's not really multi-tenant. You can call it multi-tenancy, but if there was a leak somehow, hard to bleed is a good example, right? With the OpenSSL. And I was able to read the memory, which is something you shouldn't be able to do, right? then this breaks the basically number one role of multi-tenancy. So building multi-tenant application is how can you build this so that uh, one user can use these services? I think I believe most websites have this concept of multi-tenancy, right? If you, if you, if you want to call it that. A lot of applications or a lot of users using the same service, the same infrastructure. And that's where you really can kind of abide by the rules. You can you can be in your own lane, uh, put every customer its own named space uh, SSD. You can put them in uh, this an isolated database. You can use... A dedicated network storage if you want you can use uh, 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 their own vm or containers and then you effectively cut a whole slice just for them right but we know most applications can't afford to do it this way right because you know you have to do it really right across the entire stack that's that's how you do it right so that nobody can see each other but most of the apps that are built they're gonna put 
two customers on the same table. Again, nothing wrong with that. You can call it multi-tenancy if you want, right? But if I send the wrong SQL and there was a bug on your software that allows me to inject some more SQL and pulled some customer's data that I'm not supposed to pull, then that's not multi-tenancy, is it now? Right? A true multi-tenancy should be completely isolated. Then you might argue that, hey, a bug could, could exist in everyone, right? Yeah, a bug could exist in any of part of the stack, but how can you minimize that impact as much as possible? Again, again, at the end of the day, guys, I don't want to put like strong definitions. I don't like the definition game, to be honest. It's just thinking about how it's, it's like a, a spectrum, right? It's like a slider. It's like how multi-tenants you want to get. You want to get strict multi-tenants. To me, a strict multi-tenancy is uh, when a user registered in your app, they get their own namespace in the SSD. They get their own isolated networks uh, uh, stack. They get their own VM or containers, set of containers and uh, which sits on top of the network, which sits on top of their namespace, and they get their own effectively uh, the application part. So they're, they're effectively their own database instance almost, right? Or at least their own container database, right? So if you, if you can do that, then that's the strict multi-tenancy. Obviously that's very hard to achieve economically uh, speaking, uh, and even practically speaking, so you can go into the hybrid model where yeah, I'm going to put my customers in the same table or the same database or even more in the same table. Yeah, let them share. I have a, a key identifying each customer, right? And uh, this is actually great for reporting as a whole. If you have multiple customers and you want to report, oh, who's your most expensive or most profiting customer? You can quickly do that if they are in the same database. But if they are not, then you cannot do that, right? So there is like kind of, a, I guess, a drawbacks to multi-tenancy. You cannot really do analytical operations as effectively as if it was. What's the opposite of multi-tenancy? Shared tenants, you know, bunk, bunkers. <laughs> I don't know. All right, guys, uh, let's keep it short and sweet. I'm going to see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And a uh, quick plug, quick plug. We talked about databases here in this in this show. And if you want to learn the fundamentals of database engineering, make sure to grab my course, Fundamentals of Database Engineering. Head to database.hosseinnasser.com for a discount coupon. And uh, I'm going to see you on the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.